Hello and welcome to the Unpretty Podcast. I'm Basma and this is Chi. We want to explore the world of beauty through the experiences and stories of people of colour. In each episode, we will unpack different themes and topics, along with the help of some friends, experts and people we just really love. We've got lots to say, lots to learn and we're here to do that with you. So let's get to it. Hey Chi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. I feel like that we should meet at some point during this lockdown. <laughs> Because we live half a mile away from each other and we um, don't have this conversation often enough. Um, I feel like I'd like to say, how are you two in real life soon? Should we go for a walk soon? <laughs> <laughs> um, we probably should. It is actually ridiculous. I've, well, I've seen you like twice in the last yeah. eight months. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Which cool. is really bad. Maybe we'll have this not conversation cool. podcast. <laughs> to organise our meet on the intro. But yeah, it was, it was funny actually that we it was it, i kind of something i wanted to talk about in the intro i guess of this of some a post i just put up on instagram about activism guilt and the discussion around talking on everything with everything that's happening in the world all the time and feeling like you need to talk about it and you need to put it on social media all the time and how we consistently feel like we have to stand in solidarity with stuff I was wondering if you've ever felt like yeah that. yes and no like i feel like sometimes when something is trending Mm -hmm. on my Instagram stories, Mm -hmm. I feel like, oh shit, maybe I should say something. People won't know. Sometimes social media makes you feel like if you don't share it, then you're not doing it. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a real complacency that I think that has formed when it comes to activism, social media activism, whereby people are creating these very informative, digestible graphics, which I'm not undermining at all. They're great and super useful. Mm -hmm. But then they are being shared and shared and shared and shared without any discussion or participation or contribution, which to me feels quite complacent. And I've been guilty of it. And I Mm -hmm. almost feel more guilty for doing that than for not sharing at all yeah I mean what exactly what you're saying is exactly what I've written in the post it's the feeling of being like oh I've got to I've got to align with this I've got to align with that I've got to stand in solidarity with this that and everything and then eventually you just end up sort of resharing stuff without actually putting Mm. your voice to anything or even having the discussion offline and actually maybe sometimes it's about stepping back from feeling guilty for not posting something on a story and educating yourself and learning about it past it being on Instagram. But I'm still sort of, I guess I'm still sort of trying to balance that because I don't ever yeah. want anyone to feel like I don't care about their cause, you know? Well, it's like the black squares, isn't it? Kevin Morosky, I mean, it's if you're not following amazing. Kevin, yeah. follow him. Like yeah. his Instagram content yeah, from beautiful. in terms of like his humor to his writing mm-hmm. to his filmmaking is just amazing just Mm -hmm. everything that he puts out I'm like I mean I'm all up in his dms all day every day (laughs) but he wrote a really great post about the black squares and how Mm -hmm. I guess it's performative allyship which is the word that everyone's using the very epitome of and I think reflecting back over our 
episode around you know the 2nd of June my whole thing was I don't need you to post a black square like I need you to be having those conversations offline and the way that I know that you you're making progress because I'll see it in other ways Mm -hmm. and what it has shown is that we aren't really seeing it in other ways in some people don't get me wrong there's some people there's progress that you see but in other people it was just purely performative and that is what Kevin was essentially saying yeah yeah no I agree with you I think it's about balancing it right between standing in solidarity but it not being performative but then without performing are you not standing and it's kind of it's a a, can become a catch-22 very quickly but it's also about stepping back and doing what you feel is most important at the time and sometimes it's not about posting it's about phoning that person who it might actually directly affect or that community that affects Mm. and being like how are you and how are things so yeah Definitely learning that, that just, you know, not to be as reactive on the ground, yeah. I guess. Action over reaction. Yeah, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Anyway, <laughs> this week's episode, Chi, what are we talking about? It's actually our, the last themed episode that yeah. we're doing this season, yeah. which is... Incredible. We've come to the end of yeah, the season after yeah. much planning and deliberation. But this is a topic that... I have wanted, I think we, well, we all have, but mm. I think I've been very vocal Maybe about very wanting vocal to cover it. this. Yeah. And we're talking about locks or mm-hmm. dreads or dreadlocks or manes or mm. crowns, whatever you call it. <laughs> For me, why I'm so interested in the topic is it's quite a divisive hairstyle both within the black community and outside of that Mm -hmm. whether it's about self-presentation beauty standards whether it's in the workplace or just the wider world in general or even like appropriation like we've seen with various celebrities over time yeah and celebrities yeah it's a really nice conversation i think not to give too much away but akinola davies who we talked to is you know he's had dreads most all of his life from the age of i think i think he said 19 and Mm. it's really interesting to hear his journey because actually it gave me a lot of time to reflect on what I thought I knew and what I thought mattered when it came to dreads or dreadlocks or whatever you want to call them or you know how divisive they are so yeah it's a beautiful conversation and he is um he's dreamy so let's jump into it Okay, so joining us today, we've got Akinola Davies. Akinola is a writer, director, filmmaker, and moving image artist. Based between the UK and West Africa, Akinola explores themes of community, race, spirituality, identity, and gender, telling stories that bridge the gap between traditional and millennial communities. He's worked with musicians such as Dev Hines and Celeste, and global fashion brands like Kenzo, and more recently, Gucci. Gucci. If you haven't seen the Gucci film, go see the Gucci film. Check it out. That's <laughs> the Gucci film. Welcome, Akin. Hi, thank you for having me. Appreciate some company during lockdown. It's quite nice. <laughs> You've been through your screen. Yeah. It's not every so, day you get asked to be on a podcast with two beautiful women, so I'm quite. Oh, nice. oh stop. <laughs> well strong. Strong. Strong entry. I appreciate that. Akin, the first thing we always say to people, we always ask, which we've actually changed it now because people um, were like, got really flustered with the question. Um, but the first question we always ask is, how do you identify yourself ethnically? And what was the other one, Chi? Ethnically and. Culturally. Culturally. Wow. I don't think I've been asked that question so specifically before. Ethnically, I'm Yoruba. Culturally, I am 
a bit of a cultural nomad, but I'd probably say uh, I'm, I'm somewhere between like, well, I'm, I'm African, I'm Nigerian or West African specifically, Sub-Saharan African and British, maybe, I guess. Maybe that's the, the last sort of thing that I would tag on, depending on who's asking. But yeah, ethnically, I'm Yoruba. Culturally, I'm sort of a bit of a mishmash, really. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm West African. I'm bit British, but very, very America influenced, basically. But yeah. Very I love the idea of the cultural nomad. Yeah. That's, that's an that. unpretty first. Yeah. Yeah. Like cultural nomad. Hmm. You're a cultural nomad, Baz, actually. I, You're the yeah, epitome I think I of am. a cultural nomad. Akinola, can you tell us um, about your journey locking? Like, when did it begin? When did you start locking your hair? So, maybe like two answers to that question. I would say... The first one is I remember for a very long age hating combing my hair. It was the most mm. like painful experience <laughs> like I would ever have. And obviously like growing up in Nigeria, like you have to always be presentable. Yeah. Um, whether that's going to school, whether that's going to church, whether that's going to just see family. I learned significantly like further as I grew up that I had like the toughest consistency of black hair, which is like called Dada in Yoruba. It's like it's mm. like really tough basically so that kind of made sense why it really hurt to comb my hair like I literally would be crying that's how painful it would be so yeah just for years I would just always cut it because it's like I just don't want to deal with having to comb it I would always cut it and then I remember like you know like I, I, I specifically remember like a Snoop Dogg what's my name music video on top of the like donut the big donut shop in LA <laughs> and, just, and then I think there's a scene with his hair like all in like whatchamacallit kind of like Shirley Temple or Farah Fawcett type of thing and I was like yeah oh, I, like the ringlets yeah the ringlets I was like I want that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I want to do that with my hair so then I started texturizing my hair like just not knowing what to do I got like S curl and I would like I would comb my hair forward because like I think if you comb it backwards, then it gets sort of like you know whatever. So I would texturize my hair. So I did that for quite a while, my early teens up until like actually my early twenties. And then I remember my mom saying, "Look, you can do whatever you want to your hair. Like once you're like nineteen or twenty or whatever." Mm. And then the moment I remember, I was in Brighton, and I would yeah. So I just like would play with my hair I just would pinch my hair and just like twist it and then I just remember like I would just take a handful twist it and then just move on and just I probably did that for like two days and then my hair just stayed like that basically um (laughs) and then it just grew and grew then then I had so like in my early 20s I grew dreads for like three years really thin ones and then think at like 20 and then I did an undercut as well and then I think maybe like three, four years I had dreads. And then in 2010, I shaved my head like completely. Wow. Um, and then I regrew my hair from about 2000 hair and dreaded it in 2011. So this current, this current crop of dreads I've had for nine years. But prior wow. to that, I had dreads for about four, four or five years before that. Wow. wow. I, I didn't know that dreads were like that big of a journey is there a reason that you shaved it and then grew it out again was what was that about uh yeah there's multiple reasons one was 
I didn't really intend on dreading my hair the first time around. I mean, I mm. wanted to, and when it happened, I was like into it, but I didn't like the way they looked. I thought they were too kind of flimsy and like, cause I dreaded it myself. They would, I didn't obviously, I didn't like do it well. So they weren't very strong and they kind of like mm. would break mm-hmm. and stuff. And then I think at that period as well, like I was still during that first period I was, I was in Brighton. I was in like, you know, quite a liberal, like progressive sort of like town. So like, I didn't even really like understand the significance of what I'd done. Like I was just at school, you know, and I was Mm -hmm. like always this kind of like, maybe like slightly alternative kind of black guy or whatever. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily realize like perception of the outside world because I was still studying, you know, I was still working. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I guess an environment like Brighton, I, I mean, this is just me generalizing Brighton, but I feel like it's probably way more accepted, especially in the student community. Um. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it definitely was more accepted. And also, I just remembered I hadn't been to Nigeria for like almost a 10 year period in my 20s. So I didn't have to deal with any of the conversation of, the initial yeah, I was literally going to ask you what was that once you come back to Nigeria with dreads or like even with your friends being like I can just imagine your mom being like when you're 19 do what you want and then you're like yeah. well I'm gonna show you <laughs> yeah. what I'm gonna do when I'm 19 yeah I didn't I didn't have to deal with that I didn't really speak very much to my extended family in London that much so yeah I was just mainly in Brighton the only people that saw me were like my brother who was also in Brighton and when I would go see my other siblings in America, they didn't really care because they lived in New York and it was just very, like, wasn't really a talking point or whatever. But so you, asked my, you asked me why I shaved my first set. It's mainly because they were a bit flimsy. And secondly, because, like, it was, a, it was also a reaction to, like, a breakup. That I was like, oh, you know, I want to look... Oh, my God! Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that guys did the yeah, breakup cut. It was like a breakup cut. I mean, I wanted to shave them anyway, and I just didn't necessarily have the courage. And when that situation ended, I was like, oh, I'm going to shave it because maybe I'll see her again in a few months and she'll be like, oh, wow, he's more handsome. More. I don't know. I don't know what my... I don't know what my what my real reaction, but I know that was one of the catalysts for me shaving. I remember being traumatized because I shaved them here in Dulston. I just moved to Dulston at that point. And I remember cutting them at this like Jamaican barbers. And I, the guy cutting my hair just gave me the hardest time. He was just like, oh, you're shaving your dreads. Uh, they were just yeah, like trendy dreads or whatever. And I remember I was in a very like fragile period, like emotionally. Oh. <laughs> or, and, and that. I think like once I cut them, I like just like, totally i just missed them i was just like yeah i need i need to grow them again because i don't like not having hair i don't like this kind of like and also i guess my politics around that period was forming and forming or crystallizing a little bit more so yeah then i just then i grew them again yeah oh i started the journey of growing them again are these locks of yours they're here to stay are they gonna ever leave us uh i don't know I don't think my appearance is what defines me as an individual. I think that, yeah, it's like a big calling card, like how I look for sure. Like I'm not ignorant Mm. to the fact, but I don't believe in like forever, if that makes sense. I just, I just Mm -hmm. think that Mm. like, this is how I feel right now. This is what feels right right now. This is how I identify right now. And that's always subject to like evolving basically how the best like, 
however however I feel, you know, in 10 years' time, five years' time, whatever. You know, it, the, the thought crosses my mind every once in a while. But I just remember, like, I used to have a very big hat collection, like a really big, I used to have, like, a hat wall of just, like, hats all over the wall, like, nailed in, just, like, from <laughs> floor to ceiling, effectively. And, like, sometimes I miss, like, being able to wear a hat. <laughs> I actually really like that. Sometimes I just <laughs> being able to wear a hat. So, oh, or, um, that's or a, a, yeah, or even a beanie, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I think I've been on such a journey with my hair that it's, mm. it's like, it's, it's, the, it's my one true, like, it's my one through, it's my one true, like, truest commitment I've ever had in my life. It's the one yeah. thing I've ever been like, <laughs> I, very, actually, I, I love that. Really like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have commitment issues. I've got dreads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You mentioned your politics were changing. So are your politics connected to your hair? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that a lot of the stuff I was like learning for myself, especially not quite in Brighton, but it was definitely like the the embers, like the the early embers of a lot of the sort of Afrocentric sort of discoveries that I was having. It's quite cheesy, but there's really one song that's like epitomizes, like it's like a Bob Marley song, obviously, but there's Mm. a song where he says... um, (laughs) says like grow your dreadlocks um don't be afraid of like the wolf pack keep your culture don't be afraid of the vultures or something like that and that always just really resonated with me i think it's like rasta man live up i just remember that and i think at the same time i was like reading a lot of stuff and i was just i've always been like politically engaged so i think at that point was like just the beginning of this kind of like acceptance of like who I am and sort of like being proud of that and that like history is like this falsified thing and actually like I don't know it was like a period in my life I almost converted to Islam like in my second year of uni when that didn't quite happen I like looked into Rastafarianism I was like yeah organized religion isn't really for me but I think it was like a lot of thought going on and heavily a lot of weed as well going on at that stage (laughs) (laughs) I do like that though because it's really interesting that um I guess that you're telling the message of how you currently feel through your hair saying that you were thinking about converting or that Rastafarianism or just any any sort of sect of any culture or religion um it's interesting how people choose to project that through you know, their identity through their clothes or through their hair, you know, things are interchangeable because, you know, we obviously can't change the color of our skin, but we can change our, you know, our physical appearance in terms of our beauty. Um, mm. So it's quite interesting that you're searching in life and you're sort of finding your identity in life manifested through your hair, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, yeah, one of the things. I mean, I think that's grown over the over the years, but I think in, in that initial stages, it was definitely my hair. Because, you know, I didn't have Afrocentric tattoos or anything at that point. I I didn't understand as much as maybe I understand now. I didn't have like a more of a like spiritual relationship with, you know, like my blackness as I kind of have now. And I think at the formative period, it definitely was the hair. It was also because of the reaction Mm. I got of the hair as well. Like Mm. it's such a it's, it's interesting, but I think I think my privilege has a lot to do with my people's reactions to me like I'm obviously like like a straight like 
you know, like fairly good looking, like black, six foot black, <laughs> six foot black. Yeah, guy. Very good looking. Good looking. <laughs> I'm a man, own it, own it, own the, own the, own the handsomeness, please. Do you know what I mean? Okay, okay. So I'm like a handsome, six foot tall. There like, we go. Like Yoruba demon, you know. So I think that. Demon. <laughs> I think that. So my experience with dreads is like all. I have to take all those things into account because I think mm. that for me. Amongst black men, particularly having dreads, kind of, kind of puts me in a position where, like, I'm automatically like granted like a lot of respect. I don't know. That's just my experience. And then that's also like emboldened me to like never be sort of fearful. So you know how like you'd you'd see like groups of guys in the middle of like a dark night or an alleyway or whatever. Like I never, and I, I know it's such a privilege to say this, speaking to two women, I've just never had that fear for myself outside, yeah. which is just yeah. something yeah. that like- It's when actually I, quite beautiful. It's like the protective power of hair. Yeah. Like your yeah. hair is protection. Yeah, like but armor. 100%. I mean, I, I wouldn't just limit it to my hair. Obviously I'm like, I'm built, built like a shit house. You know what I mean? But-, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it plays like a big part, you know. I think it's just one of those things where, like, you notice quite early on. There's, I call it like the Rasta salute. I'm not a Rasta, but whenever you walk past a guy with dreads in the street, we're always trying to catch each other's eye to like nod. Mm. It's mm. just, it's just something that like no one's ever told me that that's what people do. But it's just, mm. it's, that's it's just, it's, it's just it's always it just yeah. started to happen more and more. And now it's like it's just it's just kind of like a code thing that always happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're essentially saying that your experience having dreads has been fairly positive but have you had any negative experiences how did your parents react first of all because we haven't even come yeah. to that <laughs> like what happened when you went to Nigeria for the first time with dreads with your full head of lot and also like what happened outside of the comfort of you know your East London community, your Brighton community. Yeah, very what, true. What experience have you had? So I wouldn't say it's been totally positive. Like <laughs> I think the beginning of my my relationship with Lux is like I hadn't obviously been to Nigeria. I'd moved from Brighton to New York back to London, mm. and then I was in East London, which is like another like arty sort of like creative you know, sort of yeah. like predominantly like Caribbean and African sort of like hub. Added to the fact that like I went to like grammar school, I went to boarding school. So a lot of my friends at uni and, and from college were predominantly white as well. So I was, I've always mm-hmm. like been castigated as this like alternative, like trendy sort of like black guy or whatever. There's a one consistent in the story that I may have missed out, which is my mother, basically. My yeah. mom's like one of my best friends and my mum. At the beginning of this relationship, she thought like I would shave my dreads like every year. She's always like, "These look really untidy. These are really untidy." Like it's the untidy thing, it. isn't it? She Doesn't matter it where in Africa, it's the untidy. Yeah, you should cut it smaller. I liked it when it was smaller. Like now it's bigger. It's untidy. It's untidy. It's untidy. That was my mum mm. for years, and then I went to Nigeria, and then it was like, it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't get like a necessarily like a bad response, but like everyone thought I was a musician. That was how they, because at that mm. point I also had loads of tattoos as well. So everyone thought I was a musician. That was kind of, even at the airport, they were like customs. They're like, are you a musician? I'm like, no. Are you a actor? I'm like, no. What do you do? I make films. Oh, okay. 
you're an artist and I'm like yeah yeah okay cool we'll just say uh, I'm an artist or whatever <laughs> and then you and then you go into the world and obviously like all the area boys really love you or whatever because you have dreads yeah and then it's not until you actually get into like the middle and sort of like upper class that like this conversation of like the way you look becomes more of a more of a thing mm. more of a taboo mm. Mm. I remember um Obviously, like, the back and forth of my mum is as such that my mum's a joker, so sh- she's like, please make it look tidy. I'm like, I'm I'm a grown-ass man. You can't tell me what to do, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I pay my own rent. I'm like, I'm not under your watch that's, anymore. That's a like, gutsy, that's a gutsy response to your mum. I'm a yeah, grown-ass man. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, me and my mum are close. Like, me and my mum are really, we're really tight, you know? So I think that even if she doesn't like it, she always respects my she 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 respects my decision because she kind of mm-hmm. like you know I'm <clears throat> I'm her favorite low key but you know <laughs> let's hope the other siblings do not hear this no, and if they, they have heard know. this we're really sorry <laughs> they all know they all know the truth. they all they know, all know the... can I ask they where in the line of all your siblings um are you are you near the youngest I was literally are you the youngest yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the youngest yeah there of course you are my little brother is the youngest and he can do whatever the fuck he wants including lock his hair yeah. i'm the youngest anyway. and i'm definitely the favorite and my brothers know it and we're all okay with it it's accepted yeah. <laughs> definitely. it's just that I, I, when it when it comes to the youngest it's like parents are just yeah. like oh man whatever yeah. you know like yeah we've, we've, we've made mistakes with the rest of them let's just like let <laughs> yeah. this one just like do the thing were you, you know? nervous um <clears throat> to show your mum? your dreads when she well, sorry your locks when you first saw them were you nervous to show her no no not really because i went to boarding school so i saw my mum like at best like twice a year maybe i would okay. see my mum. it was it was pre like zoom and maybe pre-skype and my mum certainly doesn't know how to operate skype so i would only ever <laughs> see my mum at like when you saw her yeah like christmas or maybe summer sometimes you know but so it was quite a sustained period of like not seeing my mum um mm. so by the time she would see me she'd be like oh this hair is really untidy blah 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 and I'm like yeah cool you know like there's not we're not gonna do anything about it like we're done yeah. you know like we're I don't I, I was more fearful of showing her like my tattoos because she really doesn't like my tattoos okay you know mm. I feel like once the tattoo started happening the hair was like really not a talking point <laughs> 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 she was like you know she's like okay the hair is one thing but promise me you won't get another tattoo I was like I can't promise oh, that gosh. and she's uh, like <laughs> she's like, why can't you promise that because I was like I don't want to break my promises you know like I just Fair. I'd much rather <laughs> not, not promise you something but, I actually yeah. really respect your honesty I'm just I'm going to break it so I'm not going to do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah I think that's it's the best way otherwise you don't want to have to deal with you know her saying that you lied to her after yeah. that like no yeah. Yeah. that's worse we did an episode i think it's our sixth episode with kevin morosky and nicole Quenzel about mm. workplace beauty standards and kevin wears his hair in lot but he actually it was actually before we did the episode he enlightened me and i enlightened the team yeah. about a suggested etymology of the word dreadlocks which i don't know if whether you've ever heard this but apparently one of the theories of where the word came from it was during slavery, mm. like the white masters or mistresses would look down at the slaves on 
you know, when they're sat on the ground waiting to be bought or whatever, mm. and they'd be like, oh, look at those dreadful locks. Mm. And that then turned itself into dreadlocks. Mm. Have you heard that before? <clears throat> Never heard that before, no. Wow. I mean, I was like so yeah, mortified because I really mortified. I used the word dreadlocks before mm. and I still mm. continue to, I try not to, but like I still do use it. How do you yeah. feel about that? the word having heard that now? I mean, I think there's a slight sort of like gasp when you just said it, but I would have <laughs> assumed it's from, or presumed it's from the fact that like my head dreads together and then I have like, a mane of locks basically yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's always what i've assumed it sort of came from and also like i've heard it described as many different things you know like i'm not a rasta but when i'm around rastas they it's like it's your mane you know it's this kind of affinity to being a lion i get called like lion mm. all the time from people seeing my hair or whatever and i remember there's this really beautiful moment i had my headphones on and a, and a rasta comes up to me and he says something and I can't hear him so I take my headphones out and he was just like it's like I just want to salute your crown that your crown's like really beautiful I was like like, what I was like oh man thank you so much basically it wouldn't surprise me if that's where if if that's where it was genuinely from but that also reminds me of like the thing I said before about like politics because like for me I think in my early teens and 20s I was definitely trying to be an antagonist especially Mm -hmm. like I was trying to prove to myself and to other people that like people that look like this can be like are high functioning can be considered like high functioning like achievers or whatever. Not to say that mm-hmm. I was a high functioning achiever. I was definitely a high functioning stoner at that point. But <laughs> I definitely I definitely high like high functioning stoner. Yeah, like, well, definitely, like my second tattoos were like the ones on my hand, which I got told are like job stoppers. I was like, you get that? You're like, you're not you're not working in an office. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to work in an office anyway. And I can guarantee you that I will work in an office and they're going to like want to hire me despite. Oh, my God. All, love that. All, all these kind of like, quote unquote, sort of taboos. So mm. I guess like. What I mean to say by all of that is just like a, it's, it's that whole thing of like re, reappropriating a sort of like term. Right. I don't necessarily, I think I just call my hair my dreads, but I also like, I think romantically I prefer referring to them as like a mane because it's kind of like this kind of lion, pretty. lion, mm. um, this like parallel with being a lion or whatever, which I think, which, which I'm quite fond of basically. I'm definitely yeah. a lion. <laughs> so you actually do <laughs> I'm definitely a lion um, I like that you're going from handsome to lion but you started off small you started with you know semi-handsome to handsome yeah. to lion which we really progressed in this conversation um, <laughs> so then going on from that I guess the history of locks mm. or dreads obviously it spans back to the ancient Greeks and the ancient Egyptians and more recently obviously it's associated with the Rastafarian movement and Jamaica and black culture but obviously and we have to talk about it over the last few years we've seen several white celebrities adopt this hairstyle as a fashion statement mm. but without the negative connotations that it does come f- with even though you bless you have thankfully not had that many negativity but people have done so going from like what Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, Lady Gaga, Zac Efron like it's been a mountain of um really interesting fashion statements and not even accounting for the catwalk like the Marc Jacobs madness that happened a few years ago like for you when you see that 
do you consider that appropriation? Do you consider it appreciation? How do you feel when you see it? Hmm. I think it's different for me because it's like when I said that thing about commitment before, it's like my my hair's not a trend. Like I mm-hmm. I I I'm kind of like I know the ins and outs and the sort of like I know what like a real dry scalp feels like, you know? It's like I'm not I'm not just out, <laughs> I'm not just out here like <clears throat> part-time dread or whatever. You know, like I remember one time I was in Nigeria and everyone thought I was wearing a wig. And my brother was like, they think you're wearing a wig. And they thought my hair was like extensions. And I was like, I didn't even realize right. you could get dread extensions. And they were like, mm-hmm. they were like, yeah. Um, how do I feel about that stuff? I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it is appropriation in a way. Like I really, I don't know. It's going to sound a bit sort of, weird like and maybe that's privilege kicking in again it's like I kind of really don't care because I think a lot of those things are very here today gone tomorrow and the main mm-hmm. reason why mm-hmm. and why the main reasons why they are done the whole like Miley Cyrus and all or whatever the main reasons they like appropriate other people's culture is because they have the opportunity to like delve in and out whereas yeah. like those of us who don't have the privilege of just being able to like jump in and out um you know in some way i even feel this way about like dread extensions equally on like black people as well but it's like once again i don't really care because it's kind of like i just think okay cool it's like it's a look for people but you don't have to well you don't have to commit to any of the like the long-term implications of sort of like growing your hair or whatever we were going to ask you about faux locks um Mm. because obviously they're like really trending in the black hair space and they have been for the last year or two but you're kind of saying that you don't care but you have an opinion on it yeah so so, so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care in the sort of like in this sort Doesn't of like, insult you you're yeah, not outraged no i'm not outraged in this like macro sense i, I don't think that mm. like i don't think it, i don't think it's something i ever see and i'm like oh my god like why would you do that like i don't i don't care but <clears throat> my opinion is more stems from the fact that i know like it's more of a trend that none of these people are really mm. committed to like the lifestyle that that yeah. sort of comes with. None of these people are committed to like the journey that comes with those things. And if you don't have any experience of the process, then you're, you're only doing it on trend. You're effectively an outsider to the process. It's only like a surface mm. skim for you. So I can't really consider what you're doing serious because it's like, it's just, you know, that sounds a bit sort of like, conservative or elitist or whatever and it's not really my intention but i say it more in terms of like you know i can have a conversation with someone who has dreads about like a myriad of things like someone Mm -hmm. who has faux dreads or a white person with dreads like we can't really have that same conversation because actually it's you are not having to go through the same trajectory and like wealth of experience that i would have had to go through you know like yeah like if if you can if you can wake up with straight hair tomorrow and dread it and you've got dreads the day after like there's like there's like ten years worth of conversation that we're not having you know we can you, yeah, can, yeah. you can maybe like you can maybe presume or present that you have dreads but ultimately like I can see from a mile away that those aren't real fair enough mm. you bought them so it's your hair like I get it but it's also like um, yeah it's it's not something that really it's not something that I would I see like a white person or a faux person see and I'm just like, oh, like, why do they do that? I'm just more like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's, that's, 
you know, it was, it was, it's a trend, you know, I, I get it. Like everything is going to trend at some point, but those of those people who have like spent time growing their hair, I have not that I have like less respect for foe or whatever. It's just, I'm more inclined to understand that like, yeah, I can see you, your lock, your, your, your locks are beautiful. You've been on this journey. Like I get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I I respect that a lot because you're not outraged by it, but you can just sort of be like, okay, well, that's that's on you, and actually putting Mm. the onus on the individual to make that decision rather than it being a collective. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. And they'll never be. And they'll never be a spokesperson for dreads there because, and they shouldn't be. You know, it's like I remember a few years ago someone asked. Um. I think when Black Lives Matter just started, that someone asked Young Thug, and Young Thug was like, "I'm just about my money, man. I don't give a fuck." And I, and people were outraged. <laughs> people were outraged, and I was like, "Why are people outraged? Like, you, why do you expect Young Thug to have like this kind of this this? Why do you expect him to have like a social commentary on Black Lives Matter? Like, he's he's yeah you're, yeah asking the, you're asking the wrong person the wrong question, and you're outraged. Yeah, like, it doesn't." It doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense you know yeah so true so true true. my mom's best friend is a is a a seamstress she's she owns like a business in in lagos i've known her all my life she's like my aunt she's one of my favorite aunts i went to her like middle class seamstress she makes like outfits for you know like my mom and her friends or whatever and i went to the store and obviously she's like an artist she's a designer she makes clothes and she didn't she didn't mind my hair she was like oh you know it looks cool i get it but one of her clients was there that day and the client was like, oh, she was like, you're very handsome, but this hair is like very like, it's just, it's very un-African. And I was like, I was like, what do you, yeah. I, was, I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you know, like this, this is not how we wear our hair. It's just very untidy. You look like, you look like you could be like a criminal or, or something. And I oh. was like, mm. I was like, and then my aunt was like, no, you know, it's kind of all jovial. And I, and I was like, and funnily enough, I was just like, well, well, this is the Leo moon in me, I guess. I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, well. The lion's coming out. Yeah, I was like, well, I, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but I could equally say that the wig you have on is very un-African as well, you know? Um, because I was like, I was like, my, I was like, oh my God. I was like, my hair is probably more consistent to what we would have looked like like hundreds of years ago versus what you look like now and I, I don't mean that to cause offense but I'm just saying that like that's that is what it is and she was like no 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 like you 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 look like Rastafarian or whatever and I was like no I think that there's like a certain like reasonable acumen to say that like the myriad of black hair pre being colonized was quite abundant and quite dynamic so there's every possibility Mm -hmm. that there was like a group of guys with dreads often enough within culture especially within like black spiritual circles people with locks tended to be like shamans or people with locks tended to be like spiritual leaders of communities and like sort of like different denominations so actually my hair is probably more akin to what we would have looked like than your hair and I don't mean that as an offense I was like if you're speaking about like my tattoos and appearance then I think that's unfortunately I think that's just judging a book by its cover because I'm like I'm very I'm a very intelligent sort of like however old I was at the time like 27 or 26 year old man and actually I'm very successful at what I do so I think 
that says more about you than it says about me with the greatest of respects or something and um yeah she what didn't take that very well <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah, i'd say like 20 lashings yes. like what did she give you she didn't take that very well but i think i think my aunt's my my aunt's kids were just like yeah and it's time for us to leave basically it was kind yeah of- exactly <laughs> um, we're gonna go thank you so much yeah. <laughs> but- oh you have guts yeah, you're gutsy. Oh my god! Literally, I assume your mum was not in the room at this time. No, my mum. I can was just not imagine her like grabbing you by the ear and dragging you out. Yeah, like. but also I think my mum would have like been quite proud of that response. I think she would have been like, "Ooh, clap back, season." She doesn't say that. But I imagine. I imagine she would. That would have been the mood. We want to do a quick fire round of questions that you have no doubt been asked about your hair. I know that. As someone who has worn my hair in braids for the majority of my life, I've had some of these questions asked me. You're probably a bit tired of being asked these questions. So we thought it would be a useful tool for you to have, and you can therefore direct anyone else who asks you these questions to this episode to hear your answers. Sure. That's a good shout. Question number one uh-oh. is... Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Is that your natural hair? And how long is your natural hair? It is my natural hair. I'd say like 99% of it is my natural hair. There was one dread a few years ago that was breaking that my, just like Senegalese uh, Khadija, she's like in LA, she's just like, she's just like the boss. One of my dreads is breaking, so she put some synthetic hair to kind of bind it back up. So I do have one dread which that was like three, four years ago. I do have one dread which has some synthetic hair wrapped around it. Yeah. It probably mm. comes to just beneath my rib cage. Just beneath just oh. beneath your rib cage. Just beneath my rib cage, yeah. To the hips. Oh my God, I'm so jealous that your hair is that long. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. it grows longer when it's twisted. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I play with my hair a lot. Like I'm constantly playing with my hair. Next question, Akin. Do you smoke weed? No, I do not smoke weed. I am over... Ooh, how long since? I am about seven or eight years post-weed. I'm very post-weed, mm. man. I like I'm post-weed. Just a pause for Akin. Yep. Thanks, yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. Do I miss it? No, I don't really miss it. I don't really smoke it. I don't really have any, like, interest in smoking it. I, like... There's a side of me that maybe, like... Maybe understands the kind of like popular culture like romanticization of it but once again i think my politics is like evolved to a point where like my opinions on weed are different to what they were when i used to smoke it gotcha gotcha okay do you wash your hair and how often i do wash my hair not very often um so this question varies if i'm in if I'm in a hot climate, I wash my hair like pretty much every day. Um, every day. Yeah, almost every day. Well, mainly because of the humidity and the fact that it's mm. it's actually going to dry. Um, mm. Whereas, and also the water is not as hard as it is here. Um, okay. Whereas in Europe, I don't wash my hair that often. I probably wash my hair like every it's my every couple of months when like I go mm. for like a deep and I generally tend to just go for like a deep clean which kind mm. of like oils it and cleans it so 
every time I'm washing it, it's a deep clean effectively. And that's mm. like every sort of like, might be two, might be three months, just depending on COVID and being able to get around basically. But yeah. Any, and before we go to the next question, any certain hair products that you use? Uh, I use, so apple cider vinegar is very good for breaking down like all the things that might be in your hair. Um, so you have like a deep rinse with that. Um, there's, I can't remember what my hairdresser uses. I just kind of sit back and generally fall asleep, but, um, <laughs> predominantly like black products. Question number four, Akin, is there anything living in there? Is there anything living in my hair? What, yeah. <laughs> apart from the fact that my hair is a living thing as well. See? Well done. <laughs> strong. Um, Great answer. No, there's nothing, there's nothing living in there. I think there was once where I, I did a video shoot and unfortunately the location we shot had um, bed bugs. So I was like, oh, oh, I was like, fuck, is this, is this fucking video going to make me have to shave my head? I've grown my hair for like 10 years <sighs> and now I'm going to have to like shave. So I had like a deep, deep bath. I like washed my hair like Whoa. three or four times in like Dettol. And I can safely say there's nothing living in my hair other than like, good. Yeah, none of the things in my hair are living. I'll put it that way. Okay, okay, okay. None of the things in my hair are living. Good, good yeah. to know. And final question: Are you related to Bob Marley? Yes, I am his cousin. I'm his cousin. <laughs> Archie Twice Marley. Archie Marley. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually said that to people before. I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm related to Bob Marley. Once on a flight, someone was like, a black person was like. And maybe we're going to Jamaica or coming back from Jamaica. They were like, are you re related to Bob Marley? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, you look like you could be related to the Marleys. And I was like, oh, I don't see it, but thank you. Um, I guess I'll take it. And it was like, Bob Marley was mixed race. You do know that, right? I'm like, I'm like fully chocolate, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> I'm shocked Just that a black it. guy said that to you. Yeah, I was, I was really surprised. We like to finish up the podcast with every episode by asking one singular question, which seems to continuously catch people off guard, which is why uh -oh. we, um, I've actually, it's actually my favorite question that we ask every single time of the whole podcast. So our question to you to end the podcast is, when did you realize you were beautiful? <laughs> when did I realize I was When did I realize I was beautiful? <laughs> mm, 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 mm. that's such a hard question though mm. okay so i have two answers for most things i have two answers okay. right this is going to sound really bad but one is for most of my life as a kid i was always told i was really pretty you know i grew up with my mom i was like really close with my mom my mom was my best friend till i was 13 so i'd always hang out with my mom and hang out with my aunt so you'd always get oh you're so pretty you're so pretty or whatever so I think that, I think in a sense, I've always been built with like a certain level of confidence. I think the second part of that question is like being able to own it, which I think is totally different because I think being told you're pretty at a young age has this potential to create like a lot of um, insecurities, which I definitely mm. acquired along the way. And then I think it was probably... When did I realize, when did I realize I was beautiful? I don't really, I don't really know, but probably somewhere within, somewhere within that last 10 years, I would probably say like in terms of just being 
confident of like the way I look and being quite unapologetic about that I'd probably say probably within somewhere within the last 10 years I can't I can't necessarily pinpoint a moment but I with confidence yeah I just think it's just been like consistent sort of like over time with yeah. like politics and understanding like whole range of things nice. but yeah nice. I love that you positioned it as when did you own it because mm. I think you know, so many people can say that they've grown up being told that they're beautiful. and But there's so many different variables that make you own your beauty. And I think the reason why we ask the question is because society at large, as much as our parents and people around us might tell us that we're beautiful or pretty or whatever, society at large creates all of these obstacles mm. that doesn't really align with us ever believing that we are beautiful and I think that is essentially why we asked the question mm. yeah but your Great answer response. is fantastic yeah, yeah. Like and also you've made me think that we should change the question when did you own your beauty but it's too late now it's the end of the season yeah <laughs> so when did you guys when did you both own your beauty oh we've oh never been asked this we've never been asked, asked this question as if oh god she why that you go first oh god <laughs> Oh, you know, I can I comes hoping... in with the killer killer at the end. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go first if you want to think about yeah, it. Okay. So we're not gonna leave our answers in. Soz guys. You're gonna have to tune in in two weeks' time to find exactly. out what yeah. we said. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll save this one. Um it was quite cute though. I think the both of us were like, oh, for something we've asked so regularly to other people. Um it was quite interesting for the tables to be turned a little bit. But yeah, we're not going to tell you guys. Soz. Back to Akinola. Can you please tell us your socials? And also, obviously, everyone, as we said, has to check out the Gucci campaign because it is to die for. Also, Lizards has done very well. Congratulations on your short film, Lizards, which I watched yes. as soon as we're in, a, we're in a director's kind of like people of color filmmaking group and I can put it in there and I just happened to be free for that 20 minutes so I was like oh yeah I'll watch this and I was watching it and I was like where where's the lizard where's the lizard and then suddenly there's just like this <laughs> huge lizard but the acting from that little girl was just epic and the fact that you shot the whole thing in Nigeria so well done beautifully done but yeah what Thank else do you have you. coming up and what are your socials so people can find you what I've got coming up, I've got another short film that's in post. It's part of a sci black sci-fi, black British sci-fi anthology. Um, so, so I'm like, I'm one of six. My film is one of six other films by black British filmmakers. And my film's Amazing. called X Us. And it's about like two brothers leaving Earth and one not wanting to leave and the other like being quite keen on leaving. Mm. So that's coming hopefully early next year, I imagine. Amazing. My socials are all Akinola Davis Jr. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Um, not not whole, TikTok actually. TikTok. I'm still Craig Stevens. I, I was going to ask. Oh, oh are you are you on TikTok? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm definitely on TikTok. Yeah, but not like. Yeah, I'm de I'm not... I think I'm definitely on. TikTok. Are you creating? <laughs> no, I'm not creating. I'm just watching. It's just great. It's just, oh, it's okay. Great just creeping. Just creeping just, on TikTok. Just creeping. I used to really love Vine, but I used to I used to post loads on Vine. TikTok, I haven't quite got into that yet, but maybe one day. And yeah, my website is just akinoladavisjr.com, basically. Uh, I mean, he is just 
great. Like you can tell, and I don't mean to sound pretentious here, but you can tell this that Akinola is an artist. Yeah, yeah. He's very um he's very fluid, I feel, in his thoughts and his processes. It's just like it's a very endearing way to be. I felt very um it sounds really silly, but I felt very safe in the conversation with him. It was just nice. It was like just a very comforting conversation. And I feel like I personally learned a lot and he brought new perspectives that I hadn't read about, hadn't mm. discussed and hadn't ever considered his real honesty about his own experience. And also just, even just things like the, what did he call it? The Rasta nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think that is what he called it, yeah. What I did like about him, which I think is very important and for something that you had said, obviously we said in the intro is quite a divisive issue, um, can be quite a divisive thing, um, locks, shred locks, is that he wasn't insulted and he wasn't offended and he wasn't, he doesn't take it so aggressively. It's a very mm. kind of, it's just part of who he is. It's kind of something he wanted to do. There's a reason he did it. He loves what he does. He loves the way he looks. And it's it's just quite calming. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you know what I really, really, really loved about him? Mm. And slightly off topic is the way that he acknowledged his privilege. You know how I mm-hmm. feel about privilege, mm-hmm. conversations about privilege. Mm-hmm. I think that so few people from, and I say this in inverted commas, marginalised communities are so open to talk about their privilege. I mean, come on, even people in general are reluctant to acknowledge their privilege because sometimes by acknowledging your privilege, it sounds like a brag, but actually Mm -hmm. like it's just owning who you are and what you have that actually other people don't have. Yeah, very true. Very true. And he's very open about that and very honest about that. So yeah. Lovely conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed his energy. Good old Akin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the two key perspectives that were missing from this conversation, and we actually would have loved to be able to bring more, but it just didn't work out for our recording. But one of them was the female perspective. Mm-hmm. And the person who we were hoping to have on, but sadly our schedules didn't work out, was Nyla Arboin, and she wrote an amazing piece for Bustle, which we'll link in our notes yeah. about her journey locking her hair and accepting her natural hair during lockdown. She talks about how she had been braiding her hair and doing so to try and fit in with like Western beauty ideals or even Afro beauty standards. And the process of locking her hair was actually a way for her to fall in love with her hair growing in its most natural state. And for me, that was, that really changed my perspective on locks because I mean, I still don't think I have the commitment levels to do that. But Mm. I think that my natural hair, as much as I've worn my hair natural for many years in various different forms, is something that I still struggle with. I still believe that my hair doesn't really grow. So part of me is like, oh, maybe I should lock my hair because maybe that is how I can fall in love with my hair. Okay. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, falling in love with your hair is a process. I'm still very much on that journey. I don't think it's easy for anyone. I think maybe that's why I enjoyed the conversation with Akin so much is that he was in love with his hair 
like no qualms about it mm. he was like this is me this is who I am and I, and I love the way I look and I actually really really respect people who can love their hair and love the way they look so consistently and maybe it isn't always consistent but um yeah I agree with you and I think Maybe that's what we need to do, Chi. Should we lock our hair? Is that the, the, thing, answer? the thing is about it, and I think what makes it easier as a guy mm. is when it comes to the barriers about beauty standards and acceptance of beauty standards. And I think, you know, season two, we'll get onto this because mm. if you get to the point of your personal journey with locks and you're like, I want to change my hair, which is the beauty of black hair, mm-hmm. as a man or woman, the mm. only way to start again is to shave it all off. Right. So then as a woman, you know, you oh, are know shaving your hair off and <laughs> yeah. dying from scratch. And for me, right. as someone who has essentially been raised to believe that my hair doesn't really grow, that is right. terrifying. So yeah, I can no, I'm not going to lock my hair. Okay. Unless no. I go through therapy of some sort and <laughs> like learn to just accept my hair. Okay, maybe Which we should do that. Okay, maybe that should be our next thing. Maybe in season two we'll have a therapist come on and teach us how to love our hair. anyway guys thank you so much for listening to our last episode that has a theme yeah our last themed episode it's been amazing um hope you've enjoyed the journey and please do listen out for our final episode we are in the process of planning our second season which will come out at some point in 2021 we don't know yet but stay in touch if there's anything in particular that you guys want us to talk about we love your suggestions so instagram at unpretty podcast and twitter and email which i think is unprettypodcast at gmail.com it is it is drop us a line you have been listening to the unpretty podcast hosted by me chi euphodiama and me basma khalifa not forgetting our producers. Shout out to ASOLA for booking our amazing guests and Katie Bissett for managing this whole thing. Special thanks to Xenia Geller for our artwork and Enoch Colo for our soundtrack. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe, rate us, and make sure you tell all your friends. And follow us on at and pretty podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time. Bye.